The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here, along with my co-host, Joe Truini. And yes, you're at the right place for the most practical, most realistic, and most current home improvement information you'll find anywhere. We've got a lot of great information lined up for you to share with you. It's uh, summertime, and everybody is starting to think about a lot of the projects around their home. We're going to be talking about the importance of weep holes on a brick home. You know, so many people are painting their brick homes these days, and they see that little crack and they want to, you know, maybe make it look a little better and they fill it in. No, no, no. We'll tell you why. You need to leave those weep holes open and what they're there for. Also, speaking of gaps, when is a gap too big to caulk? Sometimes around windows and doors, you have some pretty sizable cracks. When can you use caulk? When do you need to think about something else? We'll talk about that. Also, from time to time, we get this question about removing paint from bricks. Bricks are a fairly porous material, and once that paint gets on it, it can be very very difficult to remove it. How's the best way to do it without damaging the brick? We'll share that with you in just a little bit. A lot of emails coming up. And of course, my buddy Joe always has a great simple solution. Well, Danny, it is summertime, so people might have pool noodles laying around. So once again, we have a pool noodle simple solution. And this has to do with using it to insulate pipes. Well, I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend uh, last week. We certainly spent a lot of time in the pool with a lot of pool noodles, and I find myself <laughs> chuckling now. Every time I see a pool noodle, <laughs> I just chuckle because I can think of about a dozen things that it can be used for. And also, i got to say, I really appreciate people taking a little bit of time to write me a little note on my birthday last weekend. Uh, happened to coincide with uh, Memorial Day, uh, and for you to take a little bit of your time to wish me a, a happy birthday, I appreciate that, and it was a great birthday. I'm ready to move on to the this uh, next uh, trip around the sun, as they say, and uh, so it worked out very, very well. Well, I'm glad you had nice weather down in South Alabama and you had the whole family around. So yeah, when your birthday falls right on the holiday, Memorial Day, everyone's celebrating, everybody's celebrating Danny's birthday. (laughs) <laughs> That's what it felt like. That's what it yeah. felt like. It was it was good. But speaking of summertime, um, Joe, I'm sure you already have your list ready. You're already starting to plan things and so forth. And I think a lot of people are doing the same thing with a lot of projects around the house. What are some of the things that are on your list? Well, I recently had installed uh, gutter guards, and now I discovered that the maple trees are le- dispersing, I guess would be the word, these little tiny seed pods. Now they're all covering my 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 gutter guards, which I guess is better than being in the gutter. So I have to blow those out. And then I'm going to go back to window installing. This is a great time of year to install oh, windows. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think I had mentioned I've been replacing all the windows. We built our home in 93. And little by little, I've been replacing all the windows, two or three at a time. And I'm down to the final two. So I'm going wow. to definitely get, definitely get to that. Um, before the weather turns. Then, of course, there's always stuff to do on the lawn, right? Uh, I live in western Connecticut, and we have pretty rough winters, so the lawn's a mess, and 
Um, now that the weather is consistently warm, I think I'm going to be spending some time out taking care of that lawn. Well, you know, talking about that window replacement, we get a lot of questions, yep. of course, about window replacement. Great project to do around your home. Uh, but what, the way you're doing it is something that we suggest a lot is uh, to try to take sure. every yep. window out of your house and replace all of the windows is just too much for most people and skill level as well as time commitment. So um, doing a couple at a time, making sure you're using a good national brand that will be available and then just just replace uh, whatever you have. Take one out, uh, do it right, put the other one in, touch up the paint, do all yep. the caulking, and you've gotten that one done. You won't have to ever do it again. So um, that's always a good way to do not only window replacement, but there's a lot of projects around the house that doing it a step at a time like that makes it a little more manageable. Yeah, and I'm really fortunate that uh, the window size I have in this house happens to be a stock size of Anderson oh, window that Home mm -hmm. Depot carries. I mean, it's just, what are the chances? Home, you know, Anderson makes, I don't know, like 200 different window sizes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this one particular size happens to be in stock at all times at Home Depot. So I can just go buy one or two whenever I need them. And I also just replaced the storm door. I bought a storm door that has the screen built into it, which, you know, they've had them out for a while, but my old storm door did not have that. And what a nice thing not to have to replace the screen and get the glass out and the screen in and store the screen without getting it ripped. Here it's built in, so it just comes down like a shade, which is great. I'm sure most people probably have that by now, but that's... It's funny how there's just a little thing like that, a little feature like that. I love using it. Every time I go out and I lower that screen, I think, thank goodness for this window and this door. I, I love that so much. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one of the things I'm going to tackle this summer uh, has nothing to do with summer other than just having better weather to work on it. You know, I, when I built my house, I um, wasn't sure what I was going to do with fairly long driveway and I put in right. gravel. And um, yep. I learned a lot about gravel when you think about it. First of all, my wife wanted pea gravel, little, small, round, yep. little, nice uh, uh, gravel that I admit looks very, very good. But and you can walk on it in bare feet and yeah. not cut up but, our feet. Yep. But what I found out is because of its smooth nature, it right. will not compact. You just can't compact it. So what happens right. is you end up with grooves in it from the tires. Uh, it spills out over the retainage that you have around it. And uh, it, it just, it doesn't work. Now you can get tiny, tiny rocks that aren't perfectly round or anything that has, right. you know, some fissures in it that will allow it to pack very well. That works well. But the smooth pea gravel um, had a lot of people you know, recommending I don't, I wouldn't do that. So I got a, a size rock a little bit bigger than that. And just over the years, it just doesn't look very good. And it has packed very, very well, which is going to make a great base right. for what I'm about to do and bite the bullet and put down a concrete driveway during uh, on all oh, this. And okay. so um, I know it's going to cost a lot of money, but I yeah. probably will be able to get my guys to do all of the forming. And of mm -hmm. course, we've got a lot of rocks to move out of there, which were expensive rocks. So I, I have a place to use those. And um, then I'll go with a concrete driveway and forget about it. I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> uh, but, but what you have to think about anytime you're doing a driveway, sidewalk, things like that, it's so easy to forget to put some type of little piping under it, whether it's for drainage or more commonly to route water lines from one side of the right. sidewalk or driveway to the other, or landscape lights. Everybody loves landscape lights. Yep. And if you're, you know, down the, down the road, you're going to install those.
those, make sure you put a sufficient um, size piece of pipe under it, cap it on both sides, yep. and then it's there if you need it. It's also a good idea to maybe make up a little map of where those things are. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, a few years down the road, yeah, I'll remember. That's right at the curve You'll there. never Let's remember. Well, You'll never man, remember. Here, yeah. here I am digging up my grass trying to find those <laughs> those pipes. But uh, that's yeah. something that's that's something I've been putting off that I want to I want to tackle that pretty other, soon. The, yeah, the other thing, the reason you put a pipe under the driveway, and my brother-in-law just discovered why he should have done that, is they got a dog and they wanted to put up an invisible fence around the property, uh-huh. which is just, you know, the cable that you bury. Well, they had to dig up the driveway to put the cable oh, in. Oh, boy. Oh, you know, so if you had the pipe there, you just snake it right underneath there, and and the dog will f- hear that or feel that signal through the asphalt, if that's your concern. We have a um, gravel driveway, and I have a pipe that goes under it as a just to move seasonal water in it ponds, and so uh-huh. I just ran the, I just ran the wire through the pipe, and you know yeah, the dog doesn't go. go anywhere near it. Yeah, so that's a yeah, good that's idea. Weird. That's the way to do it. Another thing that I'm uh, looking forward that I'm very intrigued, talked to a, a very, very experienced arborist. About oh, six or seven months ago, I was worried about this large oak tree I have in the front of my house on, on the riverside, and uh, it just didn't look very healthy compared to the other trees. Well, he came out, looked at it five minutes later. He told me exactly what was wrong, that, that it was um, going through some stress, probably from all of the work that I did on the yard with uh, yeah. you know grading and things like that. And and he says it won't survive without some type of treatment. And it, this, this, you know, so I was so, well, what do you mean? What, what do you, how do you treat it? Well, yeah. I come in and I drill 24 holes around the base of it. And okay. then I said, in the tree. He, he said, yes. Said, in the you know, tree? I'm, oh, I thought you I'm, meant in the soil around the tree. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. He said, it's actually in the tree. He put, and then he pumps these chemicals in there. Uh, you know, nutrients and everything yeah. that it needs to kind of, um, you know, spur its growth. And he says it has to do it three or four times. It has a little cap that he puts on it. And yeah. then after he finishes, he removes the cap. It grows back over it, and you don't even know it. Now, I spoke to a friend of mine down the road that had the same thing done. He says it's unbelievable. He said it took a few years. He right. said, but his his um, oak tree looks better than any oak tree around. And wow. uh, it, it definitely, and even a little side benefit, it helps all of the grass all around because it all right. goes out through those roots oh, right. and feeds the grass. So that'll be a pretty interesting little project. I might call an arborist. I have him do that to me. I could use a little. <laughs> I know. I, I thought about that. I could use like... a new growth myself. <laughs> hey, we're just getting started here on today's Homeowner Radio. So glad you're with us. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about those funny little weep holes. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We're so proud uh, to have the wonderful stations all over the country, over 360 stations currently airing the Today's Homeowner Radio, including this one that's been with us for quite a while in Boone, Iowa. KWBGAM 1590. A special hello to everybody in and around that wonderful state. Hadn't been there in many, many years. I uh, would love to get back through there in a lot of pretty areas in Iowa. And we want to hear from you. Any question that you may have, any kind of challenge you might be having around your home, we make it as easy as it can be in order to reach out to us to get the answers or opinions that you might be looking for. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, do so right now. Today's homeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 800-946-9783. 
4420. We're going to go right to the hotline right now. Nelson's on the line. Nelson, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house. Yeah, I got a question I've been told in reference to weep holes. I have a brick veneer home and I have weep holes right and level with the uh, crawl space vent. I recently encapsulated my crawl space, installed a dehumidifier just to eliminate that humidity problem in my crawl space because my ducking is, is underneath. And um, I've been told don't cover the weep holes because the house has to breathe, cover the weep holes. And I did a little research and I, and, and I saw that the proper way for a weep hole to work is that it has to have splashing so there's moisture, that there's condensation behind the brick veneer or water drips behind that brick veneer. It's supposed to hit that flashing and go out the weep holes. However, I have no flashing. And um, what it appears to be, the weep holes go directly into the crawl space. So now um, I'm just wondering what exactly do I need you know, should I cover the weep holes to, to prevent that excess of moisture from coming in? Or should I just leave them open? That's that's my dilemma. I'll tell you, I've never heard of any advice in covering the weep holes because uh, you're really talking about two different sections of the home. And all of your crawl space areas should be, for the most part, sealed off completely from your um, from your brick veneer, the cavity between the bricks and your framing and sheathing of your of your walls, there should be three quarters to one inch um, spacing in there. And you might you might never see water coming out of a weep hole because it's um you know it it, it it's not that much moisture normally that it's going to run out. It's normally just a a um, ventilation, a way to get a little air in there to keep it from uh, being a problem and to give it a place to escape if it does. So, um, I mean, if, if anything, I would take an old screwdriver and reach in there and scratch it out a little bit in case there's any excess mortar or any um, insects have built any nest in there or anything along those lines, which you see from time to time. But uh, I certainly wouldn't close those up at all. I have seen people when they're painting their homes will close that up because there's a gap and they don't realize it and they end up with some mysterious smells and problems later on as a result of that uh, mold and mildew forming between um, in that little cavity right there. So I would absolutely uh, leave them open, and that shouldn't have anything to do with the encapsulation that you've done um, down below. Okay, but let me ask you a question, okay? If condensation does build up in that cavity in there and, and it drains down, it actually is draining down straight into the crawl space. I'm not sure how I'm not sure how that could do that physically because you know on traditional platform construction where you have a wood subfloor and I am assuming that you have a wood subfloor above your crawl space. Yes, correct. Okay. Well, theoretically I don't know how that could possibly happen. Um I guess I guess you could have your platform construction up higher and your bricks actually come down lower than that. But still, there should be sheathing behind it that would prevent any water um, introduction into the crawl space area of the home. Joe, do you have any other thoughts on this? Because uh, I've never seen a situation where it, it might actually go under the house. Yeah, Nelson, I, I agree with Danny here. I mean, I, we don't see the construction of your house, but it would be really unusual if you were to look through the weep holes and see the inside of your crawl space because there should be sheathing behind that plywood typically first house wrap of some sort and then 
the, the plywood, and that would be up against the framing of the house, and then the crawl space is beyond that. You know, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, as Danny said, I'm not sure how the weep holes and whether they're open or not would be affected by the crawl space. They definitely should not. If you take a wire and stick it through that weep hole and you go in your crawl space and see it, see the end of the wire, there's something wrong with that house. I mean, because that should that's not a, be the case. As a matter of fact, I took a hacksaw blade okay. and I put a weep hole, and sure enough, I got in the crawl space, and brightest daylight. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what the brick is up against. Just, just space. I'm, first, I'm not sure why there's space between the, in this case, the no. brick siding and no. the crawl space. I, I did. Yeah. It, when, when I took the house off plate, I went straight through, and obviously it hit the uh, the subflooring. Right. Uh, and I angled it down. I, I, I had yeah. to angle it down at least 45 degrees. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's when I can see the. How the about hatch. that? Hmm. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Nelson. You've got a home that neither Danny nor I had ever seen before. I mean, <laughs> I maybe the brick is up way, is up high, like the lowest course of brick might be above the the flooring, you know, like like the floor deck of the first floor, um, which would be a little unusual. Will actually be very unusual. And but still, you'd think they'd have to be sheathing behind it. I've never seen brick siding, you know, veneer brick put up not against. Some kind of sheathing. I'm not sure what's holding there, it up. And what's, and what's there? There is look. There appears to be some sheathing that comes down to the top of the subfloor, and then I see the plastic. There's a plastic sheath that's that's there. Right. But like I said, I, I angle the hacksaw blade down. Right. And right. Push it through, and sure enough, the, I, the blade comes all the way through into the crawl space. That was kind of odd to me. Yeah. Well, even if if that's the case, and I I I believe you, that's the case, then the condensation behind the brick would be the least of my concern because water running down the brick could just get into the house. You know, the the, the wee poles could be be channeling water into the house instead of out of the house. I mean, it might be doing both, but on a heavy rain, the water could actually go into the house. It's um, actually going, it's actually, from what I see now, it looks like it goes straight into the crawl space is what it does. Right, into the crawl space, yeah. Well, either way, it shouldn't be doing that. Um well, I guess yeah, what I would say what is, uh, say. One, you know, yeah. one of the things is, um, uh, first of all, it's a very small amount of moisture, and you may not even notice it or affect your encapsulation um, process that you did down below. You may n- never even be affected by that at all. Or if you're able to get behind it and patch it in some way, whether it be with caulking or whatever, to make sure that the water goes out and not in, that may not be possible because of spacing and and accessibility. Um, But even if you got to the ones that you could, I don't really think it's going to create a problem overall. And, um, you know, uh, if it's, it's, um, you know, if water can get under the house, that means the dehumidification process there is pulling and affecting that as well. So I don't think it would ever be a real problem. You might want to keep your eye on it. You might want to patch what you can. But otherwise, I think your dehumidification downstairs uh, underneath is going to overrule any of that moisture anyway. Correct. True. True. Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, then I I just – it's not going to really hurt if I leave those leaf holes open then. No, no, I would okay. definitely leave them open. Yeah, there's there's no, no advantage in that at all. Uh, the most I've seen anyone do is to maybe put a little, um, you know, wire, um, real fine mesh wire in it if you have any problems with bugs. But if you're not having any problem with bugs getting in there, I would leave it as open as you can. 
Okie dokie. I appreciate y'all's help. Hey, our, our pleasure, Nelson. Um, I pr- appreciate you bringing that to our audience, that kind of a unique situation there. And uh, congratulations on crawling around and doing all of that encapsulation <laughs> yourself. That's uh, that's pretty admirable right there. So I'm sure I'm sure you don't want to go into that house any more than you have to at this point. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, take care, Nelson. Have, have a great week and uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Goodbye. Hey, you know, it is summertime. A lot of people are looking at uh, uh, different ways of preparing those wonderful meals outside. And how about a flat top grill and griddle? They're really popular. I'm going to tell you about a brand new one when we come back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know, this is the time of the year when weekend dinner plans seem to always revolve around the grill. But that might limit your meal planning a little bit too much. So you'll love the new flat top grill griddle from Loco. It's a 26-inch fully enclosed propane-powered griddle that turns your decker patio into a five-star kitchen. Under the double-walled lid, there are 488 square inches of cooking space heated by two burners beneath the griddle. But what really makes it cool is the smart temp thermostat control, which allows you to set the exact temperature you want each area of the griddle, allowing you to cook whatever you want at whatever temperature you want from 250 degrees to 450 degrees. For more information on this loco flat top grill griddle, log on to homedepot.com. I was not having a lot of luck on my grill here uh, over the last few months. And Why is that? Just something went, well, it just, I, I thought, my suspected, which I was, it was right, the thermostat was completely off. The, the uh, thermostat that I had yeah, on there, yeah. you know, the thermometer, um, uh, I mean, no matter what I turned it down to, I turn it all the way down to where it's the lowest, lowest setting on it, even right. with one burner, and it would still say like 650 degrees. <laughs> You know, so, so um, uh, I got a new one. It, it took me approximately ninety seconds to change it out, oh, and na- now I have now I have it accurate like that. But it's that, th- oh. those are the kind of things that you, you know, you put up with. Is that's, that's yeah, the way it is with lots of home improvement things. You, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna get around to that. I'm gonna get around to that. But then you do it. Okay. You order it. It's in. You know, two days. It arrives at your doorstep. Yeah. You take two tools. You go out there. Ninety seconds later, you go. Okay. Why didn't I do this why six months it? ago? Why? You were, you, know? you were able to order that directly from the man. Manufacturer, or is this like an aftermarket thing that just plugs well, right in? Joe, you know how it is works. Is that a long story? You, you know how it works around <laughs> here. I just start complaining to Sharon, and suddenly it's two <laughs> days later, it's on my doorstep. So oh, there you I'm, go. Not, I'm not real sure. It, it, yeah, it's uh, Sharon.com is where I go. So, yeah, that's all, that's Sharon all at Amazon.com. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that truly, I mean, I, I'm always amazed, still amazed at how quickly you can get some things. Now, it with the pandemic and right? everything we've gone over, you know, and the supply and demand slowed mm-hmm. that down a little bit maybe, but it is just amazing, which you have to be careful. Be, have to be a little careful on those spur of the moment buys, you know. Right, um, yeah. She has bought something, and I've gotten the package off the front porch. Yeah. And I go, "What is this?" She goes, "You know, I can't remember." <laughs> oh. 
come on. You know, I'm ordering you so many it. things, goes, I have no oh, idea. Oh, I thought I canceled that order. Great, yeah. great. Yeah. So anyway, hey, let's go to our email sack. We've got a lot of emails. We'd love to get one from you. Today's homeowner.com slash ass. This one came in from Roxanne in Missouri. Uh, the gap between my brick and my metal entry at our front door is too wide for caulk and has gotten wider since we moved here almost four years ago. How do I fill it in? How do I repair it properly? Now, the metal entry at our front door, I'm sure she means the metal threshold uh, down at down, you know, right right on the bottom there, and probably has a little brick, what we call a brick rollock under it. I've seen many of those that separate out a little bit. Normally, it's because the bricks were not cut long enough. A lot of times they'll just, uh, instead of cutting the bricks, which I always would rather do than see a brick mason with his trial breaking that right. thing in half, yeah. which is all, yeah. you know, which. You know, it, it's tucked under the threshold, so what does it matter? Well, it does matter because that also offers a little bit of support to something that gets a lot of wear and tear with those big feet coming in and out, hitting on that threshold every time. You're going to bend it. You're going to cause some movement. So it's a lot better if those bricks are really tight in there, really secured well, and it supports your threshold and you won't have any gap in it. But if they're not done properly like that, not done under there enough, then you start um, walking on that threshold little at a time, there's going to be movement, or in this case, it could be some settling that's causing that to open up. But I think the real question is, when can you use caulk and when do you need to use something else? Now, we've talked a lot about a backer rod, which is basically just a, a roll of foam that could be quarter inch, half inch, three quarter inch, one inch, and whatever yep. you need that you force it down into the crack. And then you can, it, it provides a little bit of uh non-rotting type of uh, filler Mm -hmm. so that you can put your caulk on top. But sometimes, especially if you're talking about this situation, you may have a gap that goes down there four or five inches, you know, from where it drops off on that brick rollock. Might be time for a little bit of careful use of some foam. What do you think? That's that's exactly what I was thinking. And first of all, I just want to preface my statement here by saying, Roxanne, Danny does not saying you have really big feet and you're trampling, (laughs) you're trampling in and out of the house and you're compressing that threshold. I'm, ta- I'm talking about now, the guys. The, the now guys you have an issue. So it's not you. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing, man. Take a little uh, spray foam. You know, it's, a lot of people know it as the by the name Great Stuff. Um, and you want to use minimal expanding foam. Sometimes it's called window and door foam. It doesn't expand as much as the original type because you don't want to be you know, have this thing pushing the threshold up so you can't close the door. In fact, what I would recommend is spray a little in there, close the door, you know, close the door and lock it so no one's coming and going for at least five or 10 minutes. This way, if it does expand up a little bit, the door might prevent that from happening. And and if you don't really see underneath there, if it's not highly visible, then the foam itself, you know, when it squeezes out, you can just cut it off and it might be good enough. As long as you don't see it, who cares? If it squeezes out, cut it away. And then if you want to put in backer rod and caulking, then that would probably be okay. But yeah, I think the spray expanding spray foam would be the way to go. And I'll tell you what, I would recommend using a latex type. Now, the, the great stuff's been around a long time. It is yep. very good, very good material, but man... If you get that on your finger, you're going to be cutting your finger yeah. off because you're not. It's, it's <laughs> it going to be really stuff, yeah. hard to get it off. But or or you know you can uh, one of the other things that could be a simple solution. You get something on your hands like that. You take your belt sander and you turn it over, 
you turn and just rub just rub your fingers all over it and and that takes care of your fingerprints and that yeah. takes care of anything that you They'll have They'll never track you down yeah, yeah. It, it it might take a band-aid or two after that but uh no let's don't do that you can't yeah, use always a, wear latex thin latex gloves when you're applying yeah. that's just like the same thing i tell people whenever you're using that crazy glue stuff even if you think mm-hmm. you're never going to get it on your hands i almost uh, would almost always get it on my hands you know? i know so I, I, i've no. glued many a rubber glove to whatever i was holding but that's much better than your skin yeah. oh yeah no doubt about it and you know the um different types of glues that are out there of course i use a lot of the two-part epoxy it's amazing yep. Yep. how many things that you can use i actually bought um a couple um little bottles of that i guess those things stand about three inches tall and mm-hmm. man i bet i have used that 50 times and yeah you the, need the, very little yeah. the cap must really be good on these things because yeah. you know they cap off real good however i assume without them mixing together maybe it's not a big deal for it to get a little air in it because yeah that's you know, right it, because the one activates the other but um anyway that hopefully that um helped roxanne on solving that problem at her door Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I'm Danny Lifford, along with my buddy Joe Truini. Just a reminder, if you have an email for us, you can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or the Today's Homeowner hotline is 800 946 4420. Hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend and ready for the unofficial start to summertime. And of course, the weather is dictating summer uh, all over the country right now. The temperatures are rising. So a lot of things that you need to think about during this time of the year. And what I would recommend, head over to todayshomeowner.com slash four seasons. Check out the spring and summer checklist. Might be a few things on there that might remind you of things that you might need to do because there's so many things that you can do in a preventative way that will save you a lot of money down the line. Again, that's todayshomeowner.com slash four seasons. All right, right now, let's uh, go to another email here. This came in from Kevin in Tennessee. I replaced my old wooden shutters with new plastic ones, and they're not quite as wide as the old ones, and there's a little bit of paint on my bricks. What are the best way to remove the paint off of the bricks? Um, you know, when you when you think about bricks, Joe, you know, it's um, they're permanent, they're yep. very, very low maintenance, but they're also a little bit like a sponge. So Very you know, you, porous, yeah. And a especially the mortar around it. So yep, you get a little yep. paint on them like that. You would think, oh, I can just wipe, put a little gas on there, mineral spirits, and it'll come right off. But uh, a lot of times that can be quite a challenge. Of course, normally you you're, you don't know whether it's latex or oil. Right. Um, yep. You know, the more recent paints, almost uh, everybody's using latex, which makes it a lot easier. But what would be the best uh, approach, you think, with someone? Because you can visualize this. You've got those nice, beautiful, uh, yeah. brand-new shutters up there, and you've got that little outline here and there. Yeah. What would you recommend um, that Kevin uh, attack that with? Yeah, well, the other thing, Danny, is that people often think the first thing to do is because bricks are so hard and tough is I'll just take a wire brush and just scrub off the paint. Well, no, they're not no, no. that, yeah, they're not that hard. I mean, they're hard if someone bangs you on the head with a brick, but they're really, <laughs> <laughs> but they're really not that hard. And you can, you can take the finish off and change the texture of it and you can scratch them up. So don't do that, whatever you do. Um, they, and since Kevin's talking about very little paint, I suspect, you know, it's just around the outside of these where the old shutter outline used to be, I would use um, like a citrus strip, which we've talked about in the past or any, any citrus based 
paint stripper. It's thick enough that you can apply it to the wall. It won't run down the wall. And if it needs to set for a while, cover it with some super thin plastic, just stick, even just like saran wrap, just stick it mm-hmm. to it so it doesn't evaporate as quickly. And then use a stiff bristle nylon brush. I think that's, the, that's what I would do. Um, and then wash down, you know, wash down the area when you're done. Um, I don't think he's repainting anything. I think the brick is is plain, right? Just bare brick. So uh, I think that's what I do. Goo Gone also makes, um, they make a great line of products. And, and the good news is you can use very, very little. Um, you don't have to use a whole lot of it in order to accomplish the goals. So, um, you know, just give that a try. And if that doesn't work, try one of the other types that are similar to that. You'll find one that really works very well for you. Hey, Danny, I wanted to touch base on two um, solutions for uh, questions we had had recently. Um, one was uh, we had a caller, I think it was last week, who had seen a simple solution I'd shot on how to empty oil from a lawnmower, a push mm-hmm. lawnmower, how to mm-hmm. neatly do that without spilling it all over the place. And her question was, um, well, how do I get the gasoline out and do I even need to do that? Um, and I saw on, online this really cool tool. I think it's a new tool, at least new to me. It's called um, a safety siphon, which is the generic term. And it's essentially like a five or six foot long hose. And on one end of it, it has a fitting that is essentially a, a tiny siphon pump. You just put it in like let's say you're pumping gas out of a tank of a of a lawnmower, you put it in the tank and you just you just shake it up and down, up and down. And what it's doing, it's priming that little pump and it's forcing the in this case the gasoline. It could work in with any liquid. It forces the gasoline up until it reaches the the curve, and when it starts going down, it just draws it out. So there's Ooh. no pumping by hand. You just oh, you just yeah, it just push this in and out, in and out, and it automatically it's a self priming. A siphon pump, essentially. And they're pretty cheap, like from, I think I saw them like 12 to $14 or something like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So check that out. And then the other one is is a simple solution that I have not shot, but I really would love to, that I actually found in my, a problem with my own house last summer. And earlier this summer, earlier this spring, we had a, a couple of callers that say the garage door opener stopped working and they discovered it stopped working when it was really sunny out. And the sunlight has UV rays, and it interferes with the UV ray of the invisible light that goes across. So what you need to do, and what I did is you took, I, took, I had some plastic pipe that was just the right diameter, about one inch diameter, cut it about four inches long. I just slipped it over the electric eye on each side of the garage door. That provides just enough shade and prevents the sunlight from triggering that, oh, that man. safety device. Because yeah. I could, it would open the door, but when I went to close the door, it would go down like a foot and go back up, go down a foot. Oh, and I'd huh. get out of the car. Yeah, you know, and mess around. So that's so that's what you do. Hey, you're listening to today's homeowner radio. We got a lot more information coming up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's homeowner radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And up on deck is Joe Truini, pitch hitter for the. <laughs> New York Yankees with yet another simple solution. It's baseball time, Joe. So I had it to work is, something you in don't have like to tell that. Me so. that. I've been watching every day. It's something I love about baseball season. There's a game every night, even yeah. if your team's not playing. Pretty much everybody else is. So yeah, it's a great time of year. Okay, Danny. Here's a simple solution with yet another pool noodle idea. All right. And here is an effective and incredibly affordable way to insulate copper water pipes. Now they do make 
you know, pipe insulation. You may have seen them at hardware stores and home centers. They're usually black foam rubber. It's kind of um, length. It almost looks like a long hose. They usually are five to six feet long. And they have a slit on one side, and you slip it over the pipe. Works great. I have, in fact, I installed quite a few of those. But I had several more lengths of pipe. I first insulate all the hot water ones. Then I started insulating the cold water ones. But in any case, I discovered that if I had a long, I had a pool noodle that I hadn't cut up for use for other simple solutions. So I slid it lengthwise and I slipped it onto the pipe and it costs a dollar for, for a pool noodle where the rubber pipe insulation costs you buy between like nine and $12 each. Is that right? So for $1, I covered, I think they're five or I think pool noodles are what, five feet long, whatever they uh-huh, are. Uh-huh. And uh, they slip right on. They're much thicker. So they insulate really well. And the reason, by the way, that I insulate the cold water is because it's in the basement in the summer when it's humid in the basement, condensation forms on the cold water, of course. The condensation builds up and it drips and then, you know, drips into the basement. Sometimes it drips on my tool, on my workbench. So uh, anyway, I insulate the cold water as well. And when you put these on, always put them with the slit facing up. So if there is any condensation, of course, it doesn't drip out. But in any case, so that's a way to insulate um, copper pipes with pool noodles. And a lot, and a lot more attractive than the uh, oh, old gray or brown. When you got <laughs> yeah. a little rainbow stuff going on down there, and and, and, and to save that much money, because when you were saying it, I was thinking to myself, I wonder what the cost, you know, difference is there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's amazing. That's that's boy, that that's is a that significant is savings. Very yeah. very yeah. Uh, practical on that because you know when uh, insulating pipes is kind of misunderstood. People think of it as just simply a way to keep your pipes from freezing. And yes, it is very effective for that, but it also is very effective to um, maintain the heat in those hot water lines, That's particularly right. yep. all year long. So it's saving you money. And when you're only paying a dollar a noodle, then uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. that is. And you're saving water, too, of course, because if you turn on mm-hmm. the hot water and you have to wait for that's the right. cold water to run through the pipes first before you get the really hot water. In this case, if you insulate them all, the water stays it doesn't stay hot, but it stays warm. So at least you're a little closer to uh, getting hot water out. Exactly right. And remember, you can always go to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions and be able to view more than 550 of these great pieces of information that provide you some very good practical solutions for some of the things you might be facing around your home. Also want to remind you what you can see on this week's episode of Today's Homeowner Television Show. It's called a cozy kitchen, very small kitchen, but we certainly made it more efficient with a number of things that we altered on the cabinets, as well as replaced the countertops with very popular butcher block countertop, which is really one of the least expensive countertops that are available since the home center started carrying these slabs of countertop ready to install. Just have to cut them here and there a little bit and uh, amazing. We've done a number of projects on it. Always a very positive things you'll see in this episode, how we removed the existing countertop and installed that. And also you'll be surprised how small of a closet you would need to have one of these stacked washer and dryers. I was amazed that we could get uh, both of those in this fairly modest closet, but we did it and it worked very well and solved another problem the homeowner was having there. And again, just go to todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see the Today's Homeowner Television Show in your area. Now that pretty much wraps up the first hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. So glad you were able to spend a little bit of your time in your busy weekend with us here on the radio. I'm Danny Lipford along with my buddy Joe Truini. Thanks so much for being with us on this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio.